Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back, guys. DJS and KMOX. Happy Monday to you. Two more days of heat. Everything's going to change on Wednesday. Then it's going to be like highs in the 60s, low in the 40s and 50s. Uh, Brad Young joins us. Hello, Brad. Dave, good to talk to you, my friend. You too, man. So with baseball gone, you are returning to the uh, airwaves on KMOX in the evenings, correct? Yeah, that's right. Wednesday nights, 8 to 10, at your service. And we don't just talk about legal stuff. Uh, you know, Nobody wants to listen to that, uh, especially me. But we talk about legal issues. We talk about uh, how legal issues actually impact people's everyday lives, not just you know, intellectual exercises. And I take calls and I always love it when people disagree with me. So it's a lot of fun. Brad, I was talking about uh, law school when you and I went and the Socratic method and how everyone, the, all the professors were trying to be like John Houseman and paper chase. Yes. Do you know, I would guess that that's really been dialed back because uh, just sort of snowflakery, you know, like yeah. you can't be mean to students. Do you know if that's true or not? Yeah, I, I do know that's true because I've been trying to hire a new associate attorney to work for me this summer. And I bring that up during the interviews. And yeah, what I'm hearing is not like anything uh, that we experienced. I mean, we had the fear of God put oh. into us by by those professors who were trying to emulate John Houseman, which, by the way, I, I always say the paper chase is exactly like law school, except for the sex. Uh, it, you know, no, no sex in law school, at least not for me, but, uh, <laughs> but other than that, it's spot on. Brad <laughs> is the sneakiest dirty guy on KMOX. <laughs> you don't, you know, oh, I almost say you don't see him coming, but you, you, uh, <laughs> you, you can just never, you can never feel completely safe with Brad Young. Let me just tell you that. Uh, okay. So let's talk about, uh, former president Donald Trump. Just, just, yes. Just wow. So he was in court today. I'm going to guess that's a one off, right? He's not like coming back tomorrow. Uh, well, he may have to come back to testify. And uh, as you well know, Dave, when when a defendant like Donald Trump testifies, it's it's not because he wants to. It's because he has to. And uh, and that's for all indications. That's what's going on here. Now, what's different about this case? This is not a criminal case. It's a civil case. And until this motion for summary judgment came up last week, I, I knew this case was set for trial. But the blockbuster thing that happened last week is that the trial judge, and by, and by the way, this is not a jury trial. It's a bench trial, only a judge. The judge ruled in a summary judgment motion last week that the Trump organization, Donald Trump Sr., Donald Trump Jr., and Eric Trump, all of them committed fraud in terms of valuating their businesses. So 
at this point, the point of the trial is mostly over. Uh, the only thing left to decide is the level of damages. And some of those damages could include fines in the hundreds of millions of dollars, the complete, uh, uh, basically the removal of the Trump organization and the state of New York. Those are all on the table for this trial. It was so interesting because Donald Trump doesn't do anything the way you're supposed to do it and still comes out like a shiny nickel most of the time. But when you're being accused of uh, exaggerating your net worth and then right before you go to trial to establish what the penalties will be. And he kept using Mar-a-Lago as an example, saying that uh, the judge thinks that Mar-a-Lago is worth 18 million, which, as Wheels pointed out, was based on like the county assessor. And he said it's worth between 50 and 100 times that, which would mean 900 million to 1.8 billion for that single property, which I think anyone would say is ridiculous. But it just sure it, it's amazing that when you're accused of exaggerating, you do give one of the biggest exaggerations of all time. Exactly. It's rather ironic, actually. But but what happened last week is that his attorneys pointed out in the motion for summary judgment that no one was harmed. As you know, in any sort of legal action, especially in a civil case, someone has to be harmed by that. So his argument was, even if there were uh, extraordinary exaggerations as to the net worth uh, or the value of these various properties, he paid off all of the bank loans. He paid all the insurance premiums. In other words, no one lost any money. Mm -hmm. Nobody was swindled out of any money. So that was his attorney's argument at the summary judgment motion. But the judge didn't buy it. So obviously, this case is destined for an appeal. That appeal could take a year and a half, two years. Uh, and, and so uh, if anyone expects this judge to do anything other than hit the, uh, the maximum penalty and probably uh, move forward with the elimination of the Trump organization in the state of New York, uh, they're kidding themselves because that's the trajectory yeah. that this judge is following. I always thought I also thought it was fascinating this morning that Donald Trump, when he gave his his comments before going into the into the courtroom, that he said, uh, "Hey, look, we've." He basically said, and I have to paraphrase because he was talking a mile a minute. But he basically said, "We have an ironclad disclaimer, caveat emptor, which I know from the Brady Bunch means buyer beware, and that, uh, <laughs> like, hey, we can't be sued because we told everyone we did, did business with, and he literally said this: "Don't believe a single thing we say." Again, an interesting legal approach. Well, it is because you're you're basically saying you should believe me because I told you everything I said is a lie. Yeah, kind uh, of. Which, again, makes you kind of scratch your head and think back to college philosophy classes. So, uh, Brad, obviously we don't just use you for uh, legal issues, but also politics. Matt Gates uh, was giving a speech during lunch today, so we turned it up in the office. Uh, what do you make of all this, of the Gates versus McCarthy thing? Well, what do I make of it? First of all... If you look at there was some amazing analysis that came out last week in The Washington Post, uh, and that analysis was how few actual people elected uh, like Matt Gates and and Marjorie Taylor Greene and Boebert and the and the ilk, how very few people actually elected them. And yet, because of the makeup in Congress, they have outsized influence on how things move forward because they can pull the trigger and uh, move to uh, to take McCarthy out of the speaker's position. So he's going to do that. But what's interesting is, is that uh, Kevin McCarthy actually pivoted 
And he took the position of saying, I'm working as a statesman instead of working as a polarized member of Congress. Mm -hmm. And I think from a political standpoint, that's going to be popular because any person you talk to in America today, they hate the fighting in Washington, D.C. And so if you're the Speaker of the House and your position is, I'm the adult in the room, I'm the one that's trying to get people to work together to keep the government open, which is to everyone's benefit. I don't see how that's a losing position. Interesting. Okay, Brad, thanks very much. We appreciate it. My pleasure. How's all that hit you guys? I don't know. I I understand why the why things are set up the way that they are, but I always have an issue when a very small number of people can tell the rest of the country, no, you don't get to move forward or you don't get to do all of those things. I know that straight, like, majority opinion is also not perfect. I mean, there, you know, if we had gone by straight majority opinion, Civil Rights Act never passes, right? So I understand why it is that way, but I, I just wish there was a better way to tweak it so that five people couldn't hold everything hostage. Mm. Because that really is what it is, right? I, I know it's more than five, but all they need is four or five. Yeah. If it's 10 or 20, <clears throat> okay, it is that. I think it was 20 that we're holding things up this time around. But they, all they need is five people. This is, again, I'd, my continued message. Uh, that's why I think playing between the 40-yard lines is so important because it doesn't allow the fringe to get a toehold. But when you do start going from... Uh, way far to the left, well, why wouldn't people want to go way far to the right and vice versa? Um, and I, and my, my second thing I'll say, which I've said many times before, is I think that uh, most people are cosplaying in 2023. They're cosplaying that they are marching with the Martin Luther King. They're cosplaying that they're at the Boston Tea Party. Like, they really think they are the next American Revolution. And when you think that you are on equal footing with people of that stature on both sides, you you do things you wouldn't normally do. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they're not cosplaying. Maybe they really are the new modern real deal. But uh, I tend to roll my eyes a lot at a lot of people. It's just interesting. You see it happening all over society, but you really notice it in Congress. But it, it seems like we had all these these agreements in society where it was like, yeah, we can't. That's a possibility, but none of us do that. Um, and people are just taking that opportunity more and more now, whether it be just just breaking social norms and doing the things that you think like, oh, well, we don't have to worry about that. Well, guess what? We do have to worry about it. And it's it's difficult to to get your mind around that and wonder like how you battle that in the future. But mm -hmm. I guess part of that is just the cost of living in a free country and living with all these possibilities. You yeah. have to live well, with know, some of the bad possibilities you can too. analogize it to most anything uh, in a marriage, in a friendship with your boss physically that we all have lines and parameters and uh, you don't think you're going to cross them. You don't think you're ever going to weigh this much. You don't think you're ever going to have a fight this big. And when it happens, you take stock and go, oh, am I okay with that? Should I change something about the way I'm doing this? Because I never thought I would hit that line. And I think that we're seeing that with the U.S. government. You know, I would, I would have bet every penny I have against a donut 
that I would never see anything like January 6th. That I would never see an right. American president say that the election was rigged. I would have bet every penny I have against a donut, and I would have lost everything I had and not gotten the donut. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. like, I think that we, and that's kind of good, whether it is physically romantic uh, employment, that sometimes you need to hit a line to go, oh, I just hit a line. Mm -hmm. So do you, I, I want to, I'm, I'm going to contradict, not contradict, but I'm going to, go against essentially what I said a few minutes ago about a minority controlling the majority, right? In this case, we're talking about the Gates and and uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene, like the four or five people that really can stop anything in in the House because they have the ability to kill anything that, that, that McCarthy wants to get done if they don't want to go along because the edge is so small. I find it interesting as I'm thinking about it here how – Everybody likes the idea of the majority opinion being the one that we should use when they're in the majority. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like, sure. I think, and you can make this argument on a lot of different things, serious issues or whatever. Uh, I think you could argue uh, on abortion, right? Most Americans are okay with it to some degree. They may have limits that they want to go, but most Americans are okay with it. The people that oppose it, though, are like, we don't care. We don't care. On the other side of that same spectrum, you can have a very small percentage of people that says, okay, well, you need to treat us fairly. And the majority says, no, we don't want to. But you still, we, we still have to have this back and forth. It's like everybody likes it when they're on the side that has the power. They like the majority rule when you have the power. And I wonder if it would just be better if we all were just honest about it. We don't really care about majority opinion. What we care about is ours. And we're happy when other people share ours. That's really all it is, right? I think that's fair. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Why do we think we play the game like that? We make it seem like it's something better or more important when we can say that we have the larger group. Um, when, rather than just arguing the point. My answer to that would be that, and I could be completely wrong, but I think that we were better people before this. Uh, I think that statesmanship meant something to the statesmen of old. And when they talked about majority, I think they meant it. I think a George Washington or a Ben Franklin or a, a Lincoln, again, could be wrong. But I can imagine them saying uh, the majority disagrees with me. And so I will go with what the majority wants to do. And I think in 2023, we have become, we have a lot of cool stuff. We have a lot of cool tech. But I think we've kind of become the worst version of us I've seen. And I'm 59, and I, when I say that, I don't want people out there to think, oh, Dave doesn't like us. I'm just talking about all of us, and I'm part of all of yeah, us. Yeah, as a family, we're a group. We're, we've, to me, become sort of the worst version of ourselves in that I don't see a lot of statesmen, and, and I think it's become incongruent. To answer your question, to have the pie in the sky American ideals when we all kind of privately know that we really only care about the majority when we're in it. Right. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, we'll always take your phone calls, by the way. 314 436 7900. Not just about this. Anytime we're talking about something that you want to jump in, please do. 224 at DGS. I was in my Jeep today. So I didn't take the uh, roof down all, well, I took it down a couple times. But I have my windows out, and I was uh, sitting at a stoplight today, and I sneezed, and someone two lanes over said, bless you. <laughs> <laughs> windows <laughs> down weather. That is kind of cute. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I was also just thinking on the break, 
how uneven and hypocritical I am because I was going to say to you guys, uh, Wheels and Andrew, uh, bad times coming because we have to put our win- the windows back in my Jeep. Remember last year when we <laughs> took them off? I, I think now that we've done it, though, I think we should be okay. We're not. No. And, uh, no, we're no, not. it's terrible. <laughs> <done> it many <laughs> times. But then I thought of yesterday. Uh, so I should just <clears throat> take my Jeep to Harvest Town Auto Body, buy everyone a bunch of pizza, and have them put the windows in. Okay? I'm that kind of guy. I'm the kind of guy that'll go, I'm not good at this. I don't enjoy it. You can do it. Do it. Right? I don't mind that at all. Uh, but yesterday I got pissed at my 96-year-old mom because <laughs> she asked me to go downstairs and check to see if there were any filters left for her air conditioner. Mm-hmm. And Nick and I went down, and there, there weren't. They were all dirty. And I came back up. I said, no, they're all dirty. And oh, first she goes, uh, but wait, I'm not sure I want you to put it in. I'm like, what? She goes, well, there's a certain way it has to go in. Yeah, arrow facing the, the machine. And law school was worth it just to go like, I've been to law school. So I pulled that on my mom. Yeah, that's always, that's always a good look. And so then we go down. There weren't any filters. And I come back up and I'm like, hey, there are no filters. But I'll order you some on Amazon. And when I come back next week, I'll put them in. She goes, well, wait you know they come in different sizes, right? I'm like, yes! <laughs> yes! Like, oh! And so I took a picture. It's like 19 by 25 by 1. And so I'm all mad at my mom for thinking I'm that stupid. And then I go to uh, to <laughs> Amazon, and I'm looking, and there aren't any. They're all like 20 by 25 or 18.5 or 19, but they're actually 18.5. I'm like, GD, am I going to have to cop to not being smart enough to order filters? I can help. I can help with the filters. All right. Yeah. I my well, my dad can help because he yes. sold stuff like that for his whole career. He can he's an air conditioner repair guy. He can help. That's and uh Kevin and I can handle the windows. Yeah, that that's we? uh that's what my, my brother and sister and I call a rick. That's what our dad does. <laughs> Just like <laughs> It'd be like the simplest thing. Do I you got I know how to do it. You don't need, I'm like uh, you just slide it in there. He's like, nah, no, there's a certain way you got to do it. I'm like, all right, you go ahead and do it. I think that's a our dad's. I think it's a thing. generational thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Plus, they yeah. always think that we, and I think justifiably, because I don't know how to do half the crap my dad knows how to do. Yeah, no, my dad picked me out as being brain damaged in some way, <laughs> real early. My dad, to where he wouldn't trust me to hold a board or a light. I always got the, you know, you're going to need to know how to do this someday. I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm going to pay someone else. <laughs> my dad, and uh, now I have to. The filters that he gets for our conditioner at my house are, uh, they have a big thing on, like printed on them that say this side facing oh, yeah. the air conditioner. I've, no, I've seen filters. And, uh, <laughs> My dad made me send him a picture of it once it was in because he's like, I don't, I don't think you're gonna put it in. There. Yeah. Our, our dads had very little trust in us. Yeah. I think you're it right. Like, it says right there. This but you don't do that to your kids, do you? Like the like the simple things. I mean, like maybe something a little more complicated. You know, if I had to change a carburetor, is that hmm. something you do to a car? That's an interesting. Uh, question. <laughs> it sounds right. If I had to do that, yeah. I would definitely need a, a lot right of help. There in the name. I don't think I do. I don't think I do. Yeah. In fact, Phoebe drove from Lawrence to Missouri State for a little reunion of her buddies. And I, and when I texted her, I said, I know you're going to be careful, but I will die if I don't say be careful. You know what I mean? So yeah, at least yeah. I admit, yep. here comes the dad talk.
That's what you can expect from the new Rachel Zimmerman show. Smooth as silk as usual. Smooth as sandpaper. Were you forwarding in real time there? Yeah, because I didn't know there was such a long intro on this song. I was happening. I gave you the benefit of the doubt that it was skipping. And I'm like, I think she's just forwarding through it. Digital doesn't really skip that much. That's really funny. The spoken word version of Detroit Rock City. Listen, that was the remix. Yeah. Remixed okay. by me just now. Yeah, yeah no. <laughs> DJ Rachel Z. <laughs> I like it. Uh, so Rach announced at the top of the show that she's going to start her own show uh, Friday evenings that will replay on Saturday. So uh, do it again. Yeah, so it's starting this Friday at 9 p.m. on KMOX. I am very, very excited to start this new show. It's just a way to kind of celebrate St. Louis, and I want to have fun. I want to have long conversations with people, get to know people, and then talk about fun stuff that's going on in the city. So really excited to start that Friday at 9 p.m. Replays again on Saturday mornings at 7 a.m. If you could follow me on Twitter, at Rachel Z S T L, that would be awesome. I'll be posting there on the same handle on Instagram, like, music from the show and all sorts of stuff. My first guest is Kara Spencer. She's the older person from the 8th Ward. We had a great conversation. I'm also going to be talking to our friends from Art St. Louis downstairs for my first episode. So hopefully everybody tunes in and you can also subscribe to my podcast feed too. Same place you'd get your DGS podcast. Very cool. Um, we're not going to talk about much of any meeting during this segment right here. <laughs> I'm just going to let you know. Uh, we have uh, Chet Pleban coming up. We have Sweet 16. We have audio. We have Stairway to Kevin. We have a bunch of stuff. Uh, let's talk about a little more sports. Uh, the caddy thing, uh, the Ryder Cup, intrigues me. So for those of you who, who don't care or didn't watch, the Ryder Cup where the U.S. plays the European stars and uh, the former caddy for Tiger Woods, was caddying for one of the U.S. players. This is as I understand it. Uh, and uh, Rory McIlroy was getting beat, and uh, they hit a big putt, and Rory had a big putt to make, and the caddy for uh, the American was sort of spiking the ball a little bit and kind of waving his hat around, which Rory did not like, and confronted him on the, on the green, then confronted him again in the parking lot. Here's my take. So I played a lot of golf and a lot of tennis. I've never played competitively. I understand they have more persnickety rules. But at some point, it's like, dude, toughen up. Like, I know you're not supposed to walk across the guy's line. I know you're not supposed to talk. I know I know all those things, even if you're just playing, you know, hackers out on a Saturday morning. But ugh, I thought Rory came off looking bad on this. What do you think? I tend to think the same generally. Like, I, I think that. It's a little bit much to like, well, you can't make any noise and everybody's got to be like, but I do think there's a different standard for people that are observing than and compared to the ones that are actually in the game or, or like on the course in the middle of it. I tend to think you're right. Like, that's just too much of a reaction. Like, calm down, buddy. Like, you know, lighten up, Francis. It's not that big of a deal. Step away from the ball. Gather yourself. Make your putt. Um, at the same time, I would also say that the caddy should not do that. But I think that you're, you're totally agree. your point that the reaction was too much is 100% on. Is there ever a time to take the bait? Like when you're being baited by somebody who's, you know, making gestures and that stuff, is there ever a time to lose it and go teach them a lesson or whatever? Or should you always in sports kind of take that high road and just, like you said, back away, compose yourself, make your putt, ignore yeah. it? I mean, in yes, in general life, but I mean, we're not talking about like something happening on the street. This isn't a this isn't road rage. It's not somebody losing their cool over that. 
it's a competitive environment. You're already on edge. You're already there. And there are rules in place, whether they're written, unwritten, understood, not understood. There are things that are supposed to happen in a certain way. I don't have a problem with somebody who's in that compete mode yelling at somebody. Now, if you hit them, if you cross that line, that's not okay. That's not, that's not, I mean, that's just like anything else in life, right? You can yell at another person all you want. You can't cross the line and go do something to them. Mm -hmm. So I get it. I I understand completely when, you know, any athlete, I mean, I got a story that's similar. We saw, I don't know if you guys saw, I put it on the sheet, but Ole Miss LSU had this crazy game on Saturday. It was a big shootout. It was a, like both teams scored around 50 points. Ole Miss wins on a late drive on a, and really on a late stop. Um, and then the fans stormed the field. So the student section's pouring onto the field, and this kid runs at an LSU player, runs into him, physically runs into him, and then he's, and he's the whole time yelling, blank LSU, and then he yells at the guy, hey, blank you. So the guy shoves him, knocks him down, and was going to go after him, and he got restrained. Well, what do you expect's going to happen when somebody crosses that line? Because the player shouldn't react too much, but wouldn't you? If someone runs into you and is is cursing at you doing it, how are you going to respond to that? Mm-hmm. And I think that there, but that that's still though that line, that physical contact line. If that play, if that kid is just running around and he's doing that and he's not like running into someone, all right. But that guy is in a compete mode. That guy just lost a really big game. It's, it's a, a very really last second dumb thing to do. Yes, on the part of the fan. And and, it, and again, it's not okay for the player to just punch someone or hit someone, but. You're in an environment where you are already coming off in like you're seconds removed from a very heated competition. And then somebody you don't know comes flying at you and runs into you from behind is cursing at you. Mm-hmm. You might react in an instant. Unrelated uh, story. Did you see the guy? There are many of these people I see him on TikTok quite a lot. Uh, this guy who would pretend to be a 14 or 15 year old girl, lure predators yeah, places yeah, yeah. and then out them. And he, this was odd to me. I'm not saying that a 17 or 18 year old cannot be a pedophile, but the two people that he was outing were 17 and 18. Yep. And he was in the process of outing them. And then he punched one of them for some reason. And and one pulled out a knife, the other pulled out a gun and killed him. Yep. Wow. Yeah. I'm always, I'm always, I'm fascinated. I've seen there's another one that does it out of like Colorado or something. And they I've never seen the ones that pop up on that where they're like physically aggressive. And I've never seen it where it's a younger person like that either. But I've always thought, man, that's a hell of a risk. Yeah. Because you are basically confronting some. These are not law enforcement. These are just people that do this on their own time. You are confronting someone with something that life changing will cause them to go to jail. Yeah. That will ruin their lives. How can you not expect that at least one of them at some point is going to pull a gun on you? And I would I would guess, I haven't talked to anyone in law enforcement about that, but I would guess that most of law enforcement is going, I wish you guys wouldn't they do. do this. Yes, they do. yes. If you, it, it's one thing to gather information. That I get. I get, if, you know, look, because look, the police can't do everything. Mm-hmm. They don't have the manpower. They don't have the time. So what you do is if you do that, let's say, because what they end up doing is they go into chat rooms. Or they get on various on certain apps, dating apps, and then they find they they post themselves as they're posing as the underage yes. person, and then they draw this person in. They have all the records of all the conversations, all the texts, everything. Get that and turn that over to the police. You're not the one that's supposed to be doing the confrontation. That's not. I mean, you're 
I get it. And most of the cases I've seen, they get there, they confront them, they called the police already, and they're just waiting for the police to get there, and they're just trying to keep the person in that place until the police can arrive. But you're putting yourself in danger. Uh, back to sports, did you see that uh, Davion Kimbrough, his name is spelled with a G-H, so it could be Kimbrough, uh, just became the youngest professional athlete in the world. He's yeah. 13 years old, yep. and he just joined a professional soccer team. Yep. Oh. Oh, now, now, he's going into the developmental program, yes. right? He's not jumping into MLS. He's yeah. not jumping into the top league. I'm fascinated by this because a lot of times, since I coach players this age, different sport, but players this age, 13, 14 years old, a lot of times the best kids at those ages are simply the ones that grew early. Makes sense. How, how do you know they're going to continue I have seen so many, not just kids I've coached, but co- kids I've coached against. We're at 13, 14. They are the biggest, best player on the field. They're the hardest thrower. That you, you can't get them out. And by the time they're 17, everybody caught up. They've leveled back out. Yeah. yeah. And now that's not everybody. Some of them continue. But man, is that a, that's a, to me, signing a 13 year old to a professional contract is a big, big assumption that what you're seeing is something more than just being more physically mature than your competition. And I'm sure I, I've read about this kid. I, I know Kimber has, he's faced older competition. He's played with 16, 17 year old kids and, and has done a fine job, but that still doesn't mean that it's going to continue to progress. And it's an interesting thing because baseball teams sign kids when they're 16. That's the youngest they can sign an international free agent. And sometimes they are what they are and they're never going to get that much better. Other times it's obviously the beginning of an amazing career but 13 is really, really early to be able to think you can tell. Uh, this is a very wide open question. Take it any way you want. Are you okay with like the baseball farm system? A lot of people have complained. Eh, not really. I mean, some aspects of it, yes. Like, I don't have a problem that it exists. Uh, they're, and they're doing better now, by the way, because of all of the the pressure they've faced with lawsuits and the, the um, MLBPA finally kind of got involved and the minor leagues are now kind of organizing themselves. It's gotten a lot better. They're paying them better. They're feeding them better. They're taking better care of them. But that also came at the expense of a whole bunch of franchises being shut down. I mean, they removed whole levels of major of minor league baseball that just don't exist anymore. Um, but yes, I, I like, I if they're going to continue to do it better, then it's fine. They should be paid a livable wage. They should be paid year round. They should be able to live. Like they were, you would have these cases where these guys and they're even college guys, people that are educated. They're, they're living five, six guys to an apartment because they can't afford not to. And then when you get promoted from one place to another, you're still on the lease at the other place. So you got to, in the time that it takes to move from, let's say, let's just use the Cardinals as an example, because we can, it's easy to move from Jupiter up to Peoria You've got to find somebody to take on your lease. You've got to move all your stuff and pay to move, and you don't have any money. You don't have money to do any of this, and you have no time to do any of this. And it's getting better now. They're making it so that they have to cover more of those things. Teams are covering more of the housing now. So if you do it right, then it's fine. I don't have any issue with that. There's got to be a way in, right? Because otherwise, none of those people have jobs. Because there are only 30 major league teams. So it would be like the NFL. If you're not on one of the NFL teams, you're out there doing something else. You're yeah. in the arena league or whatever. Yeah. Interesting. 251 DGS. Can I have a moment of 
philosophy. I just think it's cool to think that due to the law of conservation of mass, which I'm sure you guys have heard basically that you can change matter physically, chemically, but you cannot create or destroy matter. And the the same amount of matter is always static in the universe. Uh, And because of the theory of the Big Bang, that all matter that exists today or ever will exist was present in that infinitely small dot that blew up into the Big Bang. And so while there's only been a Dave Glover since September 6th of 1964, the matter that made me was in that tiny little thing in the Big Bang, and then it was in a star, then that star blew up, and then it turned into a nebula, and then that turned into a star, then that star blew up, and that made carbon, and it ended up billions of years later in me. That nuts. I don't like to think about any of that. <laughs> it's just because your, your brain freezes. Like I, you, none of it makes any sense, right? Yeah, I had a little bit of. Do you guys know what an? Uh, I mean, it does make sense, but it's like so big, it's hard yes. to comprehend. Do you guys know what an anomalocaris? I think it's called. Oh yeah, I know. It's like a. Sh- it's like an ancient like shrimp thing. There's there's fossils of them. <laughs> Where are you going shrimp? here? Well, what I'm going with here is I had like an existential. Bring it home, buddy. I had like an existential <laughs> meltdown over the weekend because these these fossils. These things existed like, not like thousands or like hundreds of thousands. They existed like hundreds of millions of years ago. And just trying to wrap my head around that space of time and how hundreds of millions of years ago it was there. And now it's still like a rock that we can see now. It's like, They found what they think is the oldest wooden structure. Yeah, we talked about that when you were out. Yeah, 500,000 years old. Yeah, like two, three, almost 300,000. Million years before, not million, hundred thousand years yeah. before Homo sapiens existed. Yes, yes, crazy. So literally, a non-human species built a wooden structure. Also, a new study has come out saying that the vampires, the modern vampires, are right that young blood does de-age you, especially the brain. And so, whether through injection or there are other processes where you can. Uh, you can basically make more of your own platelets in, into your brain. But yes, Whoa. using young blood does seem to affect the human body in a positive way and, and de-age it. Mm, wow. That, that billionaire who's been taking his son's yeah. blood doesn't seem like such a freak anymore, does he? Yeah, he does. Unfortunately, he still does. But you said there's ways to do this in non-creepy ways, right? Like, there's got to be. Like, they can take your blood and, you know, spin it and do all that stuff and yeah, make it. Yeah, I think there's got to be a line between, like, not doing it at all and then, like, also not, like, harvesting it from your own child. We're just yeah. going shotgun approach here. Uh, I thought this was really interesting, having a daughter in her first couple of months of college. Uh, there are entrepreneurs out there and have been since the early 90s that are, what are they called, rent-a-moms. And basically, for example, someone in KU... Uh, in Lawrence would say, I'm going to watch over Phoebe. She, I will cook for her, not every day, but I'll cook for her. Uh, if she needs laundry done, I'll help her out. If she needs a trip to Target, uh, if she gets sick, I'll help take care of her. If she's having a meltdown, I'll be there to be uh, a shoulder she can cry on. And the average cost of that is $10,000 a year that you pay someone when your child is away to be a surrogate mom. Hmm. You can, I mean, you can also do the same thing as like a bridesmaid, which the going rate is twenty five hundred dollars mm-hmm. to stand in as a bridesmaid if someone gets the flu or something and has to drop out of your wedding. 
man, to pay $10,000 for someone else to do that for your child, why wouldn't you just do it yourself? I mean, I get that they're far away, but... And it also feels like you got to kind of let your kid grow up a little bit. I understand if there's an emergency or something, but wouldn't you just be there for your child? Well, there are lots of examples in the article I was reading where Mm -hmm. it kind of goes bad, depending on which position you're in, that the child would say, I can tell my... My Lawrence mom thinks I can't tell my yeah. Darden Prairie mom. Yeah, I like my um, Lawrence mom right. more yeah. or whatever. I, yeah. I, Seems like that would be the especially when the Lawrence mom doesn't have like all the baggage that comes yeah. with being a parent. Nothing and, like, invested. The complicated relationship that you have when you raise like yeah. a child. I mean, I'm with Rach on this. Like if your kid is having a hard time and you can't be there because obviously work, whatever, get him to see a therapist. Some random person that lives there is not a therapist. You know, doing if, their laundry if, for them. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, your kid needs to learn to do their laundry, feed themselves. Like, that's the whole point of going. That's what I learned in college. Learn how to do all that crap for myself, so I didn't have to ask mom and dad to do it. Um, we didn't do any of that for my kid, but again, ten thousand dollars—that buys a lot of plane tickets. Mm-hmm. Like, if I have to go there ten times, that's not going to be ten thousand dollars in tickets. That's the basic room and board in most colleges. Yeah. I mean, they're they're just straight up living in the dorm with every your kid. college that I know of has student health services and student mental health services available to all the kids on campus. Why would you spend ten thousand on a stranger? This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Hey. 